You know, I, I think uh, people will f- will find whatever the reason is, whatever the killer app part of Bitcoin is for them. Um, people will find it for that reason, whether it's store value, whether it's censorship resistance or, you know, a, a certain type of medium of exchange, whether now it's for, you know, monkey JPEGs or whatever, like whatever the killer app is that gets you to run a node and, you know, participate, you know, in the system as a user, uh, you know, and sending Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin only works if users are using it. Hey, everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Welcome back to High Hash Rate. Today, we've got Mark Goodwin, who is, uh, he works, Mark works at BT, BTC Magazine, Bitcoin Magazine. He's the director of editorial print. How you doing, Mark? Thanks for coming on. Hey, Mike, Dan, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, uh, stoked to be here. <clears throat> uh, you know, a nice little uh, middle of the week evening hangout with a couple Bitcoiners. You know, I partook a little bit before. So, um, oh, yeah. So we're all, we're all there. Huh? And uh, yeah, be on the same level and uh, yeah, have some fun tonight, gentlemen. It's always fun yeah. when everyone's when everyone's there, you know what I'm saying? Yes, of course. Hell yeah. Also, it's I feel like there, there's a component where, you know, if, you can't remember the sort of vibe of what was happening or what you were saying. So the fact that we record it, you can sort of, <laughs> you know, you can see that. That's interesting. We can have video evidence of when, uh, you know, I trail off into a. No, it'll a be me. I'll, I'll, it'll be me trailing <laughs> off. But I, I should just ask. So what does it mean to be the director of print editorial? I just want to. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so obviously, you know, we have a .com editorial. Uh, with a huge contributor base, you know, like 300 plus authors. Um, and then we do a quarterly print release. Uh, so whatever the editorial is in the print uh, magazine. This is the, the Bitcoin uh, magazine, right? The, yes, okay. yes. Bitcoin magazine. Um, so yeah, we do a quarterly print release. Um, and uh, yeah, I help uh, do the editorial for that, uh, which Joe Rogers, uh, AB is on design. Um, and yeah, it's a nice little team there. So yeah, uh, love the print. Love the print issue. Um, we got. Yeah. I'm in the final stages of finishing uh, magazine about to come out. Um, feeling really good about it. The cover is amazing. I think it's the best one yet. So uh, yeah, pretty stoked on that. Working yeah, hard. The uh, the content of the magazine is great, but the I think it can be emphasized like how great like the style the pictures just the the vibe or whatever of of Bitcoin magazine. <clears throat> at least since I've kind of followed it the past couple of years um i think it's great uh how much how long have you worked there yeah so uh, i've been uh there full-time um working on the print magazine for just over a year now uh, like 13 months something like that and i was uh writing for the online uh for about four months before that um but yeah it was pretty quick um and that's kind of the beauty of it right it was like i submitted a piece and uh they liked it and asked me to you know submit another one they liked that published it um and then asked me to you know kind of keep writing for them um and then it just worked out there was a role for you know redoing the print magazine so uh just kind of happened real quick it's been nice it's been a hell of a ride it's been uh building a print product is uh you know the uh there's always another quarter you know just when you think you finished it's uh (laughs) boom another one what so what uh 
do you have to like go out, do you go out and solicit big editorial pieces? Uh, do you kind of, or do you have people that are like chomping at the bit to submit their opinion on, you know, this both, new, like yeah. ordinals, whatever, like anything, right? Like how do yeah, you, both, both. Okay. How, do you, how do you get your information? How do I get my information? Uh, no, is that the question? No, that's not the question. No, no, no. It's like he, you know, he's the director. He's got a team. They, they probably, I assume, decide like what's going to be in that editorial. What it says mm -hmm. quarterly, right? Mm -hmm. um, are they going out and, and, and looking for people to write pieces specifically, I'm asking, or is it like people are submitting yeah. things and they're going through and they're kind of balancing? It's both. Like we have an open submission. You know, anyone can submit anything and we'll consider it um for sure um but then there were also like topics we know that like we need to cover um that are so relevant either to the theme or just like timely editorial right and so for certain things like that you know we'll reach into our you know wheelhouse and be like all right or rather our contributors wheelhouse and be like you're the technical person this is right in your you know say it's the privacy guide it's like right. you are the person to articulate this to the masses best here you go um, you know, we'll help execute it and fact check and all, and all that, but you know, this is, we want your voice for your voice, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's all over the place. Um, and it changes magazine to magazine, but we got a nice, like pretty nice roster of, of some really talented writers, um, that have been pretty much with us from the beginning, um, which is cool. So we got, we've, we've, we've picked up quite a, a motley gang since, uh, we restarted the mag. So it's pretty badass. It, it, it makes the, my job really easy. Yeah. Um, the um being like bitcoin magazine like the, the this like premier uh publication kind of with the brand name right so you, it's almost like being or you're almost in the position like like a politician where you've got you're trying to reach the masses the the mainstream but also your your core your base is very opinionated very passionate uh very bitcoiners yeah right like a lot of controversy <laughs> over me you know seemingly small things how do you balance that like do you have to like sit down and like have a, a meeting and you're like all right this is a a good piece but this is gonna piss off the maxis or this is gonna be too infighty like mainstream people aren't gonna it's gonna be too niche like do you have those discussions so kind of but i would say you know if the piece is you know good quality and we think it's a story that whether or not we necessarily agree with 100%, right. it's at least a view worth platforming. Um, I agree with you that there's like a responsibility to it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I feel that way absolutely with the print mag. It's like, you know, we can only put out so many articles a quarter. So it's like, are we just going to lean in, into one side of the homogeny of Bitcoin and just, you know, alienate, you know, 45% of the rest of them? Or um, so... But yeah, definitely, yeah, case by case basis. Um, I'd say there's certainly, um, you know, we we have a bit of a of a of a moral floor or a little bit of a culture brewing. I think in the way that our you know writers generally look at things. Um, but I think I'm very proud of the fact. I would say I think we're pretty um, politically dynamic, um, and we have writers that identify you know all across the board politically that uh, seems to be a, that seems to be a very important feature to have inside of your publication these days it has to be i mean bitcoin is just like it's a public experiment you know you need to platform everybody um you know we're a freedom technology free speech company you know it's like 
that's all a bunch of LARP bullshit if you don't actually live that up and like ask people to contribute and open up call the submissions and it also opens up your it actually opens up your work base you know what i'm saying the people that you can that's pretty interesting to think about didn't even think about that yeah absolutely and people stuff you know it's like you know the yeah i think the contributor network is like the greatest asset at you know at bitcoin magazine in so many ways it's like it's so it's such a ridiculous roster of people um really important people how do you guys come to consensus on what, how, what is printed? I mean, this it seems like a lot, of, a lot of ideas yeah. are coming to uh, Well, we get like a big dartboard and uh, no, um, <laughs> well, we do, we do make boards for sure. Mostly like notion boards, you know, I got a nice whiteboard and we, we chalk some stuff up, but um, yeah, generally we come up with the, with a the theme that we think makes sense, uh, you know, generally timely. Um, be it like the broke issue or censorship resistance or the orange party for like elections. And we'll come up with kind of a general theme. Uh, and then I'll usually write mm. like a letter from the editors or like a North star kind of document um, that will sort of set like kind of what the title means and kind of put it into context. Oh. Um, and then we'll take that document and send it out to all of our contributors um, and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And then that's, wow, that step is so back. important. The fact that the, that step that you're giving it a title is such yeah. an important step. Didn't even realize that. And it and it it's the title has changed. It's not like it's like okay, this is it. It has to be that. Like we've pivoted the, the title. Um, you know, it, it, within the last like few weeks of the process before, and it made perfect sense. But it still fit completely within the North Star letter from the editor. You know, it was like spiritually the same thing. It was just a different title. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, process like really sets you free. Um, and I, I really like the process that we have, uh, right now. Um, it's kind of nice, um, to just like have that document to always go to whenever there's like a choice to be made, you know, like I kind of got the idea. I'm a big film guy from Ridley Scott Blade Runner. He had, he carried around a picture of, uh, Dennis Hopper or not Dennis Hopper, um, Hopper's uh, Nighthawks at the Diner, uh, you know, that that painting. And he kept it in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. And whenever like someone on the crew would come up and be like, hey, how should we like set this or like light it or make it look? He would always just pull out that picture that would like dictate, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the choice was. He would use that like, mm-hmm. you know, that North that's Star a, that's great. source, right? Um, so I try to do that with the North Star document. And whenever it's like, Hey, what, what design, what color, you know, I mean, AB does everything. She's a genius, but it's like, you know, whenever there's a technical question or a layout thing or whatever, it's like, well, you know, how can we relate it thematically? Um, and it kind of just gives a nice throughput to the whole thing. So there's a ton of huge variety of takes in there, but there's like a, usually a pretty strong continuity to it, honestly. Just um, cool. Uh, so I like a magazine, like, Bitcoin magazine, uh, when it comes to like advertising and, and advertisers, I'm not really trying to think of this, like as a, the temptations that Bitcoin magazine faces more of an angle of how hard are like Ethereum and like some of these finance, you know, these casinos, like how hard are they trying to penetrate, like in getting in front of the audience and like try to capture Bitcoiners attention? Like how is it a big, do you have a I lot like of, do you have to turn, I like, like that honestly, question, yeah. That's a great question, but like, uh, you know, I'm proud to say, like, it doesn't get, it never gets to me. 
Nice. Like it doesn't get, it's never a question of like, are we even going to consider this? It's just never even been, it's just like absolutely no shit coins. No. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I asked because I kind of empathize like working for a, a kind of a, a bigger brand in the space uh, that's trying to grow a company, trying to make money. It's like the temptations are so always there to like integrate this uh, feature that's, you know, starting to cross the line of shitcoinery or just shitcoin behavior, even if it's not shitcoin and it's the temptations there. Right. And you have to constantly like, no, like this is the commitment Bitcoin only, but and, and that's where process is really nice. Like for like, you know, advertisement stuff. It's like, we give them a design packet where it's like, these are the exact specs that we need. Uh, and these are the, you know, few, you know, qualifications for us to print it. And one of them is like, you know, obviously no fucking Ethereum pyramids or whatever, uh, <laughs> sneaking right. somewhere in, in the back there. It's like, no, uh, we're not going to do that. Um, yeah. But then there's like the, in, in, in my opinion, the it's more a morally gray line and it just kind of depends on, the person's how maxi hardcore they are, but uh, with the prospect, I think you talked about it on a recent podcast of like how stable coins are going to work and people are trying to bring stable coins to, to Bitcoin. What do you have like a, maybe not a moral stand, but where do you see it going? Like, do you think it's an inevitability with like Taro or do you think that, I mean, they seem to kind of have fizzled out. They made a big splash with headlines, but I haven't heard a whole lot of optimistic I mean, stuff about. Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of how it ends up being iterated, um, whether it's on Bitcoin via Tarot or not, I mean, I just think stable coins are, um, you know, a huge, huge, huge part of, you know, the next evolution of the dollar system. Right. Um, so there was actually some weird news today where there was like a, a copyright lawsuit against Lightning. I saw Lab. that. Um, there's another group called Tari Labs, um, spelled exactly the same, but with an I um, that you know, set up some sort of asset, digital asset business, somehow arguably incredibly similar to Taro. Um, so for the moment, they're not allowed to update the protocol, uh, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, right. I, I saw that as well. It's um, that group that sued them and won is backed by like multi-coin capital, uh, yeah, Pantera. Pantera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and Kyle, whatever the Solana dork. Right. <laughs> they lost 90% of, on their fund in the last year, but apparently they've got money to sue Taro. But yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, they got a dollar printer theoretic, or, you know, I don't know. The, 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 but yeah, the dollar, the, the, the dollar evolution. Um, I mean, I think what we're seeing kind of right now in the banking world is sort of a, arguably a crypto banking hit or like a nationalization of, of the crypto banks. Um, so I think right. we're, you what, know, what do you mean by that? Well, just like the way the, the, you know, the, the, they sort of backstopped, um, you know, these regional banks, um, and depending what happens with, uh, you know, these European banks and whatever happens the rest of this week, um, you know, there's potentially, you know, a bunch of other banks that are caught in a similar position, um, that, you know, someone like say a JP Morgan or something would love to, you know, scoop up if they could, but now we're seeing, you know, the, this uh, direct, you know, government, you know, backstop this new program. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to learn a lot about the nuances of what that is, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for, uh, yeah, centralization, of oh, yeah. you know, sort of the extended crypto space, yeah, um, I mean, they, with like you know paper holdings of of you know these stablecoin issuers, um, yeah, I mean I knew USDC would be fine, but it's 
interesting to see what's going on with it. And that, you know, it wicked down to 33 cents on Binance and, mm-hmm. you know, be listing BUSD. And, you know, there's just like so much stablecoin war insanity going on. And we're seeing this big like national move um, as, you know, theoretically, it looks like there's banks failing. Um, and it kind of does seem like it could be okay. Like maybe there was this kind of just weird pop. Um, but I don't know. It looks like people are betting on doom happening. So we'll see the, you know, what, if they can, if they say, you know, hundred percent of deposits are safe. Uh, but that, that definitely comes with a lot of strings attached to the banks involved to the, um, and, and directly into the depositors. So once they're doing this, they kind of lock you in and they'll see that if it works, people are willing to put up with it and they're going to start pouring in money and then they can keep tightening controls, keep adding stipulations because if people are flocking into the safety, it's kind of giving them the, the go ahead. I think that that's probably where the CBDC comes in. I don't know if the CBDC will be this digital coin that you get a, in your wallet, on your phone, um, or this, uh, you know, blockchain solution. I think it'll, it'll look a lot less obvious as crypto and more, it'll just kind of happen in the background and all all your bank accounts will start having restrictions on them because it'll be the, the regulations and the strings attached that come with that banking facility and those, uh, safe deposits. Yeah. Like maybe some sort of like wholesale CBDC behind the curtain. Right. Um, in interbanks, um, settlements have instant settlement. Right. And then we see like, you know, private stable coin issuers actually creating kind of like M one, um, you know, create some credit that people pass around and and that very well could be stable coins, um, or, or rather even ones that already exist. Right. Um, Circle's pretty much captured, I would assume anyway. They just got bailed out. So once you get bailed out, you, you oh, it's like prison. You know, somebody gives you a, a cigarette, now you owe them. And that's just the way it goes now. I mean, they did get bailed out, but to be fair, it was like 8% of their cash holdings, which is like True. 25%. You know, I think the majority of their papers is in BNY Mellon, which is mm-hmm. um, about as safe as you're going to get. You know, Bank of America and JP Morgan maybe aside, but. Um, so, but yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> a bunch of stuff just happened, you know, to the crypto industry, uh, from a banking standpoint, just directly with Silicon Valley and, um, you know, signature and, and, uh, silver right. game. so I think the, we'll feel those ramifications for, for quite a bit. I think, uh, I don't know if you've know about stable sats, uh, what they're using down in Bitcoin beach wallet. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then, um, I think Arthur Hayes, uh, just yeah. posted about like the nego I don't know something starts yeah. to end a dollar but it's essentially a inverse what perpetual swap I don't know exactly but it's long and short the dollar or excuse me bitcoin at a um way that evens out so like you constantly have this stable amount of bitcoin in your wallet and I've I've been down to El Salvador I got the wallet itself and I've so I've used these stable sats for several months now and I don't keep a ton of money on there, but I can, you can kind of switch it between your wallet. You can have your Bitcoin wallet or you can have your USD wallet and you can just, but with the push of a button, you just switch any amount back and forth. But what you keep, like if I keep 20, 30 bucks in these stable sats, it's been 
you know, five months now, it's still there. Like it's still holding up. It's never dipped. I get alerts on my app. Like, I don't know if this thing is scalable hmm. really broadly, but it seems to work and that it's, you know, it's, you never have to touch the Bitcoin or these stable coin rails. You never have to, even for a second, right? Like even just to use it for a split part of a transaction where you got to have some trust and you got some censorship, uh, resistance problems, but yeah, like you just keep your, you know, you may lose out on the upside sometimes, but you can stay Bitcoin kind of with the, yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not buying government bags, you know, you're not, uh, participating in the extended petrodollar system. You're just creating a, like, you know, synthetic, synthetic, synthetic stable dollar. Right. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, you know, I haven't learned a ton, a ton about it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely more intrigued with that, that model than say, you know, sort of an arbitrary storage of hash signatures in Bitcoin that, then relate to an external issuer, um, you know, right. via the Taro thing or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. There's like the, you know, the uh, bank, the unbanked sort of pitch of stable coins. And it's right. like, well, stable coins are sort of just like, you know, you're buy you're for a fee, you're, you know, you're buying someone else's bank account access, you know, and then, you know, right. we're learning what that actually means when the banking system actually puts pressure on, um, you know, these, these issuers, but I, but I, you know, always argue, I think the fed enjoys, you know, stable coin usage being as high as it is. I think they I like agree. it. Yeah. They buy, course. they buy treasuries, you know? Yeah. Fuck yeah, they do. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, um, I'm stoned. Uh, <laughs> I, know it's going, it's I, I, I had, I did have a question. Yeah, sure. Um, that, that I thought of from something earlier you said, which was, um, you said uh, that there's there's no shit coins that get past, like all, all this shit coinery is coming to you, but you're like, sorry, no shit coins uh, printed in this, uh, you know, publication. I'm wondering, like, how did you get there? And like, where on that uh, Matthew McConaughey, you know, meme are you on the on that scale does that make any sense i'm trying to like a shit coin how did you how did you become uh a maximalist like what was your journey yeah 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 i mean i i i think it's important for for max maximalists to like talk about you know their beginnings you know 100 from as from a learning standpoint 100 Um, and i was lucky like i learned about bitcoin from a bitcoiner and i always knew bitcoin was the unit of account. Um, and I did trade shit coins for a short period of time there. Um, you know, when, you know, when GDAX listed, you know, Litecoin and ETH and stuff when it was bright and oh, shiny, yeah. um, I fucked around with that, but I learned, you know, pretty quickly. Um, not, I didn't get burned or anything like that, but just like, you know, it's like, Oh, it's just much easier to just, uh, you know, work and put money into Bitcoin and save that way rather than trying to trade or, you know, do ratio training, you know, and I learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, you know, explored that space a little bit. Um, but you know, Bitcoin was like never even close to less than like, you know, like 80% of, you know, it was, it was really just like for fun. Um, and then, uh, you know, right around, you know, the lockdowns and all that bullshit, um, right. Just a little bit before that, um, 
you know, really kind of got turned on to, you know, that it's, uh, it's okay to entertain that stuff in a good faith way to learn about it and be able to like articulate why it doesn't make sense. Um, but humoring it is really not, uh, you know, the productive thing. Um, and really was like, okay, I'm just going to focus everything, um, you know, in, in, into Bitcoin. Um, and I was doing a lot of art production and working with a lot of artists. Um, and this was like in the first, you know, kind of NFT boom. Uh, and everyone always wanted to know about NFTs and stuff. And I was like, honestly, I think the best way for an artist to navigate this financial environment is like get some Bitcoin and uh, be able to buy, you know, future time um, to be able to spend and, you know, do your craft. You know, it's like it's this really amazing commodity of time. Um, you know, as Bitcoiners, we believe, you know, sort of it's going to have this disinflationary effect and, you know, against fiat and it will grow over time, uh, you know, in purchasing power. And if, you know, you you want to operate in the in the economic digital economy as an artist, you should use Bitcoin. Um, so it just made a lot more practical sense. And also just it seemed what was important. Um, you know, it's like it, it's they're just completely different things um you know and uh yeah i think bitcoin is such an important invention and technology and it's going to have you know obviously huge implications and effects on the world and none of those other things are going to do that um so yeah I'm, I'm a pretty staunch maxi for sure um and uh you know it's, it's water's warm though always um because i'm just lucky that i had good teachers um and and you know had good sources of information and, you know, I feel it's my duty to pass that back along um, and try to, you know, find signal out there to, and propagate it, you know? Who, who, um, are your, who are your teachers? I mean, Andreas for sure. I mean, <clears throat> pretty much all of 2017. Um, I like went to bed every night, you know, catching up on Bitcoin, you know, listening to him. Um, he was huge. Um, Kaiser report was huge. Um, Max and Stacy were, you know, sort of my, like, you know, speed run through macroeconomics and, you know, the, the political nature of money. And, um, you know, I watched Kaiser report every day or, you know, every, it's every like three, I, I forget exactly their filming schedule, but at least three times a week. Um, I watched they, that. They, for first. they had a great show. Those two, they had a great show. So good. So good. So good. And they're still doing great stuff. Um, but that show was yeah huge. Um, and that show introduced me to so many other people. Um, that was really the first show that platformed, um, or at least the first show I was, you know, uh, familiar with that platformed Bitcoin authors. Um, so, you know, that's where I found out about Jeff Booth and Nick Carter and, you know, Isaiah Jackson and, um, I don't know. I mean, I've so many Bitcoin books. It's insane. Nick Batia probably. Um, but yeah, nowadays, I mean, you know, there's so many good, everyone's got a take, which is great. Uh, cause even if it's not, you know, necessarily hundred percent, right. There's usually something to learn from it. Um, and, uh, you know, curate yourself a nice little, uh, list of people, you know, Twitter's pretty incredible for that. Um, yeah, there's so many, so many incredible teachers and, and I love going through old medium, you know, Bitcoin blogs and, you know, reading, what people were saying about, you know, the block size war during it, you know, like I find that stuff really fascinating. Um, you know, Shinobi is one of my favorite writers in the space and it's cool to go back on through his blog and see it, you know, 
in real time calling out, yeah. you know, the exponential issues with scaling with big blocks and, you know, why we can't do this to the UTXO set. Um, and it's like, it's, it's, it's nice to see like from a documentation standpoint, like being able to go back and be like, Oh, not only were they right, they were articulate and correct, timely, you know, it's easy to be right now, you know, in 2023, or actually it's, I mean, not, not many people have been right, but, uh, it's easier to be right now. Uh, and then you go back and you see these people that were talking about all the shit we're figuring out now in like 2013. It's like, it's pretty cool. A lot of smart people in Bitcoin. And there's people that, you know, I, I find out new people every day that it's like, how did I have no idea that person existed? And they're this like insane OG that has all this amazing literature that I had no idea existed. And uh, that happens all the time, uh, which is really cool. What's it kind of like, what's it feel like when you kind of cross that you've been in Bitcoin for a while and you start to go to conferences, you start to meet some of these people, some of these people that you learned from, or some of the, you, like you start to meet them and talk to them and you see them in different countries around the world. Um, like what, you know, if you're, if you're somebody out there who's listening, right? Like who is been really getting into Bitcoin, listening to the podcast, you're, you're, maybe you're doing some open source development or you're writing some stuff or you're just out there going to conferences. Um, keep doing it right like oh yeah stress the importance that you know it's it's of of meeting people in real life it's a digital protocol and it's a digital culture you know it feels like that 90 percent of the time but the the real relationships in person are the best go to meetups i mean my entire life is like downstream from me going back to them restarting bay area bitcoiners uh shout out to billy and tommy um, and everyone at Bay Area Bitcoiners, um, like, you know, right when the city was like shutting, you know, everything, everybody was going crazy in San Francisco with vaccines and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, COVID and all this shit. And, you know, the whole city just kind of lost their minds. Um, and there was this like one community uh, that existed where you could go and get together with kind of like minded people and talk, you know, and, you know, no one gave a shit about what your decision was. It was completely right. relevant. Um, and it was all across the board. Um, and we were all friends um, and we, we all kind of came together, I think, as this like island of misfit toys in a very similar way. Um, and through Bay Area Bitcoiners, uh, you know, I met CK and nice. I met P, I met Q um, and, you know, I, you know, more or less got my connection with Bitcoin magazine from going to my meetup. Um, and then, you know, probably my best friends that I hang out with here, um, you know, my dear friends are you know, a small collection of, of Bay area Bitcoiners that I get to see, you know, more or less once a week. Um, you know, that's how I got introduced to, you know, Casey Rotomore, uh, who, you know, has dropped ordinals on everybody's head. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's been a really, really good friend of mine, uh, for the last year or, or plus, you know, very important part of my life, which is like, it's just insane. It's all downstream, my job, my hobbies, my friends, all these connections from, yeah, I mean, I had been in Bitcoin for years and had never really participated in any kind of meetup culture. You know, I was on Reddit. I was on our Bitcoin markets um, and I didn't even go on Twitter until like 2021, like the very start of it. Um, And then, you know, I, you know, realized that Bitcoiners are my clan, like for sure. And they were like kind of the only few people that kept their, you know, humanity uh, and their moral floor, uh, I think, throughout you know, lockdowns. Um, and it just, yeah, it gave me a lot of faith and got me a lot of purpose, a lot of responsibility. Like it's, 
um, yeah, it's fun to serve the community for sure. So was your, uh, was your cut, your cut, your kind of timeline uh, in life? Like, did you kind of slowly evolve to the point where your life was pretty much you work Bitcoin, you're on Twitter, you work for the magazine. It's like pretty much everything you're traveling meetups or was it, uh, like kind of abrupt? Like, did you, what was your pre, you know, orange pill or at least super passionate orange pill, um, life like what, what were you a writer then as well yeah, yeah. no 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 um i went to school for music i went to okay that's right i remember that from what bitcoin did yeah 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 in- i went to school in uh <clears throat> massachusetts for jazz drums and then uh toured across the country and stayed in a in a warehouse space in san francisco um this crazy burning man art warehouse space uh mm-hmm. insane very fun um and uh, promptly moved into, uh, you know, a real apartment, um, which I, uh, you know, then got into, was still playing music a lot, um, but got into the bar world um, and started, uh, was one of the first employees after they opened, but it's kind of now famous uh, cocktail bar Trick Dog, mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco. And um, yeah, kind of got, I got, I took the job being like, all right, cool, I'll work two days a week on the weekends and I'll bar back and I'll make more money than I was making, like working at this, you know, ice cream store, grocery thing. Hmm. Um, and then I can do my music during the week. And in the first week, you know, someone got fired or quit or something. And they're like, Hey, can you just work full time just for a second? Um, you know, while we get this sorted out. And I said, yes. And then like four years later, uh, you know, I was like full into that world and, uh, drinking a lot and doing a lot of stupid bullshit. <laughs> um, and so, uh, made a decision to go back to school, uh, for electrical engineering. Um, that's a big difference probably, from undergrad. Yeah. Did you have to do a yeah. lot of prerequisites? <laughs> I, I mean, I just started at yeah. the beginning. Just okay. kind of one, um, did some other stuff I was doing there. I reason why I got into electrical engineering is because, you know, I was a drummer and I was sick of having to rely on, other musicians to make music that anyone would actually want to listen to. Uh, so I got really into production. Um, and once you get, you know, not necessarily good, you know, at a high level, but once you get up to a, a certain level of, of understanding, it's like pretty much just electrical engineering at, at some point. Sure. Okay. Uh, frequency analysis and, and all that shit, some acoustics, but a lot of it really is just like making sure that, you know, your electronics aren't fucked. Right. Uh, um, so yeah, I went back to school for that. Um, and then I uh, ended up getting kicked out of school for not wanting to get vaccinated. Um, and then in that period, um, started going to meetups and okay. uh, had been doing Bitcoin education for artists. Um, at the, the start of the, at the start of lockdowns, I did a little thing called the art bank. Um, and we did streams for, you know, all my friends were basically industry people that also were artists and all. Hmm. so they either had you know a bar gig or an actual like art gig um or or a mu- music gig and when everything shut down they lost everything and like no one had any, had you know was able to do uh you know really anything economically so uh you know luckily I, you know I had some bitcoin so friends and I got together and we threw shows for people online when everyone was locked in we did like streaming shows we did like 15 concerts Hmm. And, and accompanied with that, I did a one-on-one I made available for any artists that did the show. Um, you know, we let people donate with Venmo, Bitcoin. Um, but 
you know, I told them, I'm like, Hey, I'll sit down and do a one-on-one with you and do like an hour and a half, two hour, like what is money? Why Bitcoin? Sure. Just go through everything with them. So I ended up, yeah, I kind of put together like a, you know, a hour and a half Bitcoin talk, like an educational thing. Uh, and I started doing it to these artists and I really enjoyed it. It was like, like I realized how much I was learning by doing it and the good questions that people were asking, like often I was like, you know, just very humble about it. Just like, yeah. oh, I actually don't know, but I know someone that I could get the answer. Let's go figure it out together. Um, my parents so, are PAs. Um, so they, they heard that, oh, hey, Mark's doing like Bitcoin one-on-ones. And then they reached out to some friends and some clients and whatever. And I started actually doing it for, uh, you know, not professionally, but like for professionals. Uh, um, and then I just decided to write, you know, kind of what I was thinking. And those first kind of pieces uh, ended up getting published on Bitcoin magazine and the rest so, is here. So you, a lot of people, they share their frustration with, they, they try to orange pill people or get people to talk about Bitcoin and people just don't show any interest. And then it sounds like what you did was you like were an educator. You like set up these sessions for artists. What do you think it was about your approach that made some people so receptive to these, you know, this education, whatever, this instruction that you were giving that people might I mean, learn, might be able to learn from? I mean, I would say a huge part of it forcing function was like, you know, city getting shut down and, you know, sure. uh, money printing. And, you know, I mean, there was just, it's been the easiest time ever, um, you know, to orange pill people and that, right. you know, all you really need to do is just sort of pull away the blinds, uh, and point out the window. Um, but, uh, but I would say, I mean, I guess, you know, it's like, you can't force anything down anybody's throats, right. Um, you know, people have to, you know, really teach themselves, um, especially with Bitcoin with like the, you know, the financial responsibility of it. Like you really need to own every single part of, of your journey. Um, and take responsibility for it. Otherwise, you know, you know, you kind of defeat the whole purpose of it. So you got to really like trigger that, um, you know, you and, know, and it's, it's like, it. think about what, why people might like Bitcoin and why people might need Bitcoin instead of telling them why they need it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you, you lived in right. a city, a really expensive city. You guys were artists. Artists aren't known for the salaries that they make at the Salesforce tower. Right. Like, you're, you're living in warehouses and the value of your money and your time, especially your time, because other people are not valuing your time where you think maybe you deserve, or maybe you do deserve, but either way, you want something that, uh, is worth your time or that values your time. And, uh, so I guess if you know what people care about or you listen to them or you know them well enough, you can start there and maybe that'll be a better strategy. Totally. Um, also, I had been just squawking about it for so many right. years, you know, that, my, you know, my friends eventually were like, okay, maybe there's something to this. And, um, <laughs> and like, you know, there was a couple good calls, you know, here or there, um, you know, in March, 2020, when everything dropped at the same time, you know, I was like, you know, borderline manically, like calling my loved ones <laughs> and pacing up and down the street and being like, Hey, you know, this is a weird thing. Everything shouldn't move down all at once. This sort of has to go somewhere. I think we're going to print money. I would, you know, this is a good time. I know I've talked to you about this, you know, but this would be a good time to, to scoop some Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, yeah, luckily, you know, a lot of people listened. Um, 
And then, you know, pretty shortly after that, you know, at like 20 X in a year, you know, those people were like, Hey, you know, I just had a baby and you know, that little gig that I did or whatever, uh, that money, you know, turned into thousands of dollars somehow or whatever. Um, so, you know, you do that, you do, you do a little magic, you know, uh, and, and people, you know, see Bitcoin go on a ridiculous bull run and then go, sure. okay, something yeah, to, this. For sure. then of course they get crushed and demoralized, uh, cause they buy at 60 and, you know, here they are being like, oh my God, it is the banking industry and the world economy about to collapse. Like that's not good. Um, but you know, Hey, they got to earn their stripes somehow, you know, no. No free lunch, baby. 100%. Um, I, just thought of, I just thought of the uh, sort of waves crashing of the surfer sort of thing mm-hmm. coming at you. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. That's an interesting uh, image. Sorry. Oh, go yeah. ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was say, did uh, were you always like a mathematically or technically inclined or did you kind of know or did you kind of learn that you were through music and being a producer? Um, I would say I definitely... I learned that I enjoyed it a lot through mm-hmm. production. And okay, through right. You so, know, yeah. I could tinker away at something and, you know, in my room for hours and hours and hours. And that that's like my happiest, if not, actually probably even more so than performing. Performing used to be kind of my favorite thing. Um, and then really, yeah, like once you can have kind of total control and, um, you know, really just lose yourself in, in playing you know, like using these things as like toys. Um, and I just learned that I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And I love learning, you know, it's like, if you're not learning something or, or sort of pushing, it sounds cheesy as fuck, but like you're yeah. not pushing a, a boundary or, you know, getting into some kind of uncomfortable place. Um, you know, what's the point kind of to a degree. Um, so yeah, I, I just kind of, yeah, really, I really enjoyed it. I honestly, I, I mean, it was really awesome you know, obviously being in California has a lot of downsides often. Um, but you know, I got to go do electrical engineering, you know, practically for free at the state college, um, which was amazing. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, and I was good at it. Um, it it came kind of easy to me. So, um, but it's been fun to learn, like, you know, I think no one really teaches you good macroeconomics. You just have to kind of like let the market teach you, <laughs> you know, yeah, make some mistakes, win, win. Um, and then, you know, learn, learn to weed out the people that don't have good calls. Yeah. And uh, some of this, it's like, you know, you can read about it in a textbook, but it's like any other job. If you want to be a good, you know, macro guy, you got to get out there and put some skin in the game and let the totally. market beat you up a little bit. And you start to learn, you start to get your and, our, and articulate your points. Like, I think, I think writing has been really great for me. Cause like mm-hmm. you learn so much about the topic. Like I love doing really deep research stuff. Um, I got a book coming out called the Bitcoin dollar. Um, and some of the pieces in there, you know, there's a chapter um, uh, that sort of looks at like the history of the Plaza Accord. And going through and looking at the history of the dollar system and like learning that like basically every influential, um, you know, Fed chair, uh, you know, was nominated by one political party and renominated by the other. You know, they change interest rates four times a year, you know, every year from, you know, 1970 to 1992. And then they didn't change interest rates at all in 1993. And that, you know, there's like bullshit like that. Like I love getting into the weeds there and putting together kind of like, that's the only way to kind of see the broad stroke is to get really close into these details and learn the sort of fundamental truth of it. 
um, string it all together. And I like love getting into that stuff um, because yeah, it's like, we're all noobs. Um, you know, Bitcoin is so new um, and everybody's teaching each other everything about Bitcoin in a very like interesting communal way. Um, so like, yeah, who cares if, you know, you learn in public, it's like, do that for the sake of the community learning. Um, Hell yeah. and I love Twitter for that. And I love podcasts and coming and talking and, and, and doing this kind of stuff with buds. Um, I think it's just, yeah, it's incredibly important. What, um, talk a little bit more about your book. Uh, and I guess you gave a pretty good example there, but like, how long have you been working on that? Like, what was your motivation for writing and about this topic? I mean, um, what are you, is there like a overall theme or a, uh, conclusion to your book or do you have that yet? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the book itself is, you know, kind of two parts. Uh, the first part is kind of a look at the history of the dollar system talks a lot about Bitcoin as well. Um, it talks about kind of the near history of, of the dollar system talks a lot about, um, you know, the way stable coins and treasuries and interest rates all interact with the, the dollar system. Um, and then kind of ends talking a little bit about the game theory of like the global bargaining problem um, that is, you know, the world economy. Um, and then the second half of the book is, is much more about Bitcoin um, and, you know, a couple of technical functions and a couple of philosophical functions, I suppose, um, you know, about the implications of Bitcoin as a replacement to this, um, you know, it's like not really a currency, not a commodity, this kind of new thing. Okay. Um, and I think the idea of it was like, I, yeah, I wanted to write, you know, kind of a hot, you know, high enough level that someone who, uh, you know, has a general good sense for logic, um, but doesn't know anything about Bitcoin or money or the dollar system or anything could like start from, um, and, uh, you know, basically be all caught up uh, you know, by the end of it. Um, so there's definitely a lot of insider baseball. There's a lot of Bitcoin stuff, but you know, there's a nice glossary, you know, I'm, I'm trying to hope it, I'm hoping that it's like kind of a one-stop shop for sort of, uh, you know, people that, you know, say, Hey, you know, say there is big banking bullshit that goes on, you know, in the next few months and people get interested in Bitcoin and they want to like, right. know where to go. Um, you know, I think this would be a nice book and, you know, it'll be like 150 pages, probably maybe a little less, um, you know, couple sitting book, um, uh, a handful of it are things that were previously published online, uh, but like heavily edited and then a bunch of new chapters. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the general idea of it, you know, the Bitcoin dollar, uh, think of it as sort of like the petrodollar, yeah. uh, but replacing petrol with Bitcoin. Um, so that's kind of the, the general theme of the first half um, is how that mechanism will be set up, why there's evidence of the U.S. dollar system doing shit like this, um, and why Bitcoin does sort of defang political money um, and why it's so important. Um, and like everybody needs to know this stuff because uh, their lives are so greatly affected by fiat money and by arbitrary monetary inflation uh, and inflation targeting um so yeah call the action a little bit (laughs) it makes me think of a question um that you might you you probably could speak to this is uh it's basically how will getting into bitcoin or sorry how will bitcoin change media in the future do you think um i mean hopefully some sort of immutable truth 
layer uh, and a time stamping tool. You know, I mean, I think from a journalistic standpoint, uh, I think Bitcoin is a really underutilized time stamping tool. Uh, and I'm also super jacked up about some of the more creative implications of inscriptions for stuff like that, for having kind of an immutable data layer. You want to pay yeah. the fee uh, to store this on everybody's nodes forever. Uh, you know, here, here's where you drop your data cable. Uh, you know, here's where you drop your insurance files. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, everybody can access it and can see that, you know, it hasn't been changed or for contracts, um, you know, using Bitcoin as a way to create immutable media. Uh, in terms of actually like the media, like as like a sort of, you know, maybe from a little bit more of like a journalistic content standpoint, um, you know, I hope, yeah, like, you know, having some arbiter of truth, uh, of immutable truth will, you know, hopefully put people back in line. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think just general, uh, you know, decentralization, um, you know, I think independent media is you know, huge. I mean, the fact that we can all just kind of set up and do this and have a platform and talk and, and be able to broadcast it is, you know, incredibly powerful. So I think uh, in general, um, you know, audiences will flow less so to the platforms uh, and the people put up by the platforms uh, in the way like our legacy media is set up now. And maybe more so the audience will flow directly to, uh, you know, value creators or content creators and more of a direct, you know, you know, it's a bit of a meme, but like the value for value system, mm -hmm. you know, model. Um, so I think it will have huge, a huge effects on art, huge effects on media. Um, you know, but, uh, it, you know, I don't think we even really know what that's going to look like. Uh, well, moving is forward. there, is there like a value for value concept in shitcoin land? Does that yeah, happen? I, I think that's a big part of a lot of the shitcoin land stuff is like basically, you know, obfuscating that it's just a data or just a value for value protocol yeah. that doesn't really need a new token at all. Um, I think that's a huge part of shitcoin marketing um, is like, no, it's a token for creators and it has the thing and it does this, but it's like, well, you could just use Bitcoin. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So I, I think you're, well, I think your book and I think this kind of thinking, uh, if you know what you're writing about, um, couldn't come at a better time. So like what you're saying about the, the banks collapsing and people starting to think more about uh, what's going on. My story, it was like the 2008 financial crisis was very right. dramatic to me. And like, it was all the scandals and I was reading about, you know, who wasn't getting sent to prison, who was getting bailed out and just kind of seeing the corruption and all of it. And just kind of the, un, the game is rigged type of thinking. And that's what set me down my journey. It started consuming all times, all types of content, Ron Paul, Peter Schiff at the time, uh, Austrian economics. And then I, it made me more um, susceptible a few years later to Bitcoin, to be pro Bitcoin. And I think, you know, so we had this, we had this meeting at work on Monday after all the chaos of the weekend. And it was just kind of, this is the opportunity like to be, to push the narrative, to be bold, to uh, point things out because with FTX, with what's happening on Wall Street or Silicon Valley Bank, and what's gonna probably eventually happen on Wall Street, um, there's just all this corruption. And people are like focusing on it, like it's always been there. It's always just in the back of our mind. But when things are going well, it's like, hey, it doesn't affect me. It's maybe helping me. But now everybody's mind is is focused on what's going on. So, 
besides what you're already writing, what do you think is the most important aspect to focus on right now in terms of narrative when it comes to kind of getting people to look at Bitcoin and what, what Bitcoin solves in this scenario? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's really all about, um, trust, you know, I think, um, you know, that that's, you know, there's that great Satoshi quote, you know, that's, that's pretty much the major problem with all traditional currencies is, is the trust involved. And that was a horrible butchering, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, you know, this is a, you know, I think, you know, the public's trust has been violated in a, in a humongous way. Um, uh, you know, routinely, you know, in the last few decades, for sure. Um, you know, I'm, you know, we're, I'm kind of a nine 11 kid, you know, I was mm-hmm. like 11 when, when that shit happened. And, you know, I've been gaslit basically my entire life, uh, with the stuff after that. Sure. What does it mean to be a nine 11 kid? What does that mean? Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, not like we had like, you know, t-shirts and stuff, but just like, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, we were born at that time where that was like, you know, a lot, you know, I was in like sixth grade or something, you know, the it's theme like, of life one, one was, of the, was the war against terrorism. And yeah. There was like a before and after and, yeah. that even like a kid could realize, you know, it's like, totally. oh, now we have to do shit at the airport. Now we gotta, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it just was a world changing event that happened at, you know, a very formative time. Um, but, and then I think obviously with the lockdown stuff and, and a lot of COVID, I think there's just been a giant violation of, um, yeah, the public trust from these institutions that have held our trust for so long. And I think it's like, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance and kind of a lot of like, uh, I mean, it's a shock to the system to like, you know, disconnect from, you know, these institutions that have, uh, you know, guided us along for so long, um, you know, unfortunately, relatively poorly. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, people will, will find whatever the reason is, whatever the killer app part of Bitcoin is for them. Um, people will find it for that reason, whether it's store value, whether it's censorship resistance or, you know, a a certain type of medium of exchange, whether now it's for, you know, monkey JPEGs or whatever, like whatever the killer app is that gets you to run a node and, you know, participate, you know, in the system as a user uh you know and sending bitcoin you know bitcoin only works if users are using it um it, it's designed to not work if users aren't participating in the system so um I, I think the world is doing a lot to push people towards bitcoin so in terms of like giving a specific thing to focus on um you know i would say if the answer wasn't bitcoin the answer would be the money um because i think that's at the root of a lot of these trust breakdowns are are or misaligned incentives and and sort of hidden coalitions. Um, and that's, you know, from very obvious things um, with like, you know, compromise kind of media for, you know, economic clips, you know, clicks um, and kind of, you know, being economically incentivized to build that kind of content. And then as like deep and as dark and as disgusting as all the way to like Epstein Island and all that bullshit, like level of coalition is, it's a huge spectrum. Um, so I think, people are going to get pushed out from the, the status quo. Um, and, you know, they're going to look for a place to go. Um, and, you know, like I'm very excited for, you know, like the walk away left to like wake the fuck up and be like, okay, I can't vote for <laughs> Joe Biden anymore. What are we doing? Uh, you know, um, and sorry to get political, but just like, 
you know, that that walk away left these traditional liberals that, you know, are, are, are against big pharma, are against authoritarianism, yeah. uh, are against central banking, you know, blah, 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 um, you know, or Wall Street deregulation. Um, and, you know, hey, where do you go from there? Um, and Bitcoin is sort of this like, yeah, the culture is, is uh, um, you know, is, is up in the air, but I think people will get pushed towards it because there's a breakdown, a bank run on trust, you know? I think um, I agree with you. Uh, I would sum it up as Bitcoin, as it also does like in, in so many other aspects of our lives where it kind of changes our thinking, not just in this instance, but generally in how we think about the world is it gets you thinking about follow the, you know, you got to follow the money. The money is the most important thing. And if you yeah. follow the money instead of the actions, you've heard the, um, the words of what people say, uh, how they market, whether it's a company or an individual, their public relations. It's like, just follow the money. If you follow the money, you'll get to the root of what people value and, and what their incentives are. And it's times like these that everybody start has to start thinking that way again to, if we're not, if we're going to solve the problem. Totally. And also it's like, you know, Hey, just cause you have a bunch of Bitcoin in a wallet doesn't mean you're at all prepared for what's coming next. If, right. if stuff is, you know, like that, that doesn't, fill your stomach that doesn't fill your fridge um that doesn't light your lights um you know you have to have infrastructure um internet food you know there's a lot of you know systems of reliance um you know it's like there's i think i, I think there's a fair share of uh you know bitcoin maxis that you know are ordering uh uber eats you know three nights a week and that kind of stuff or whatever and, and i'm not hey do it it's just like you know, what, what is your sort of stack of sovereignty? Um, you mm -hmm. know, money is a huge, 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 huge one. Cause it, it really is a, a cornerstone that you can build other ones off of. Um, but you know, you know, it, it, it's high time, you know, we, we, you know, build some better, better local culture, um, and, you know, you know, start eating better and, and, and all that, not to get on my taking personal responsibility, not just yeah. expecting our, you know, our right. leaders to do it and our right. politicians. We're, we gotta, cause part of the reason that we have such shitty leaders is because we haven't been taking the responsibility as citizens and we let this happen. So this is our, this is our fault too. We, a lot, you know, uh, I have a lot of conservative beliefs, but the libertarians, they take for granted what uh, they are responsible for in this whole mess because they've allowed it. You know, and maybe some of us are getting fed up and we're speaking out about it more, but you know, where were we two years ago, three years ago, four years ago? Why did we let, uh, 2020 and the COVID locked it? Why do we let that get so bad? You know, like we're complicit it's to an extent. I'm not saying that it's yeah. our fault, but yeah. So I, right. it, it is crazy. I mean, yeah, but man, I mean, some people are way more complicit than others. Yeah. You oh, know? 100%, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it was shocking and, and kind of. Yeah, it was weird to see everybody just kind of being like, are we all just going to let this happen? Right. <laughs> like, you know, what can we even really do? You know, and again, that's another that's another great point. You know, I had Bitcoin. That didn't mean that I could, right. you know, go to a restaurant or, you know, <laughs> go fly somewhere without a thing on my face or whatever. Mm -hmm. totally. um, do, do you sort of think about the end days, uh, Mark, like <laughs> sort of the, the end days of finance? <laughs> Or yeah, I reckon we got three days left. And, the metaphorical uh, revelation that we're coming to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Book of Revelations, children. Um, wait, wait, sorry, wait, wait, roll that back. Uh, <laughs> do I think about the end of days of the financial system? Yeah, do you think, 
sort of I, I because you know so many times in uh, uh, sort of Bitcoin podcasts and things like this, it's referenced about these collapsed civil civilizations and sort of going through that. What what that would be like? Are we going through that? I think about this all the time. Sort of this apocalyptic financial uh, catastrophe that we'd all have to go through, where we're all have to worrying about where we're getting our we are bro. you know fucking electricity and shit from exactly right so it's just well, i think just... it's interesting i mean I, I love that the word apocalypse is you know the, the the greek etymology of it is is you know back to the revelations thing is a word that means revealing um so i do think mm -hmm. that there's going to be economic apocalypse mm -hmm. absolutely but what does that necessarily mean and that doesn't mean i'm cheering it on uh, i'm not like you know blowing out my birthday candles and visualizing uh economic pain to the world like hyper no, it's, a, it's is a metaphor fucking... yeah exactly and i think hyper bitcoinization you know depending on how fast it happens could be really fucked up you know really messy um so no i'm not rooting for the collapse um but like yeah i mean something's wrong i mean the system is broken uh it's not serving its people um you know we've just passed so many like fulcrum points where you think that the system would topple over uh, with compounding debt interest or, um, you know, paying our debt service now uh, is worth more than, you know, our military budget, which makes no sense. We pay more to uphold our currency now than to actually uphold our currency with guns. Um, there's a lot of like mathematical things you think would, you know, we've, we're at the point of no return. Um, but like, no, I mean, I hope it, ho I hope it continues to happen as slow as possible. Um, and it's sort of been doing that, you know, we're in this nice, like, implosion explosion you know um and it's maddening i think in a lot of ways um but like thank god that bitcoin didn't go to 10 million dollars in you know 2021 like i think that would have been horrible um and how many more people you know have had the last couple of years you know I, you know i would mm -hmm. tell everyone at the meetups mm -hmm. you know i'm like 2018 and 2019 were the best um i've learned so much more of those years than i did in 2017 um you know you want a bear market <clears throat> um yeah i mean you think about it like most of i, I don't want to say most but i would guess most of the people with bitcoin and cold storage they don't know maybe even they wouldn't even understand the term manage you know manage your utxos consolidate your utxos make sure you don't have you know you're not getting money or too many deposits and you're not managing your utx people don't even know what i'm talking about and it's like you want if we had if bitcoin was worth 10 million dollars there'd be so much value Although it's not lost, it's donated. But to those individuals, they they lose everything, and people would run away from it because we are not ready, right? To to for that much for it to be that re much responsibility yet. Also, also, it's so if it's worth ten million dollars, it's like uh, so exclusive. It becomes so exclusive, but at, at Bitcoin can is depends. Well, it's yeah. basically like always affordable. Is that's what's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, it, it it becomes exclusive in like a psychological way. Yeah. But like Bitcoins don't exist. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. In any way, you know, it's like it's just Satoshis, you know, and there's 2.1 quadrillion of them. Uh, that's not that scarce, you know, quadrillion is a huge fucking number. Um, but I hear you. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, but but that's what I mean. I think it would have broken a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not glad, but it's just like, it never was going to be that easy. Um, you know, this is a seismic shift. This is uh, arguably a revolution. 
Uh, um, you know, I, I, or I hope so. Um, and you know, Hey, yeah, we're in the, they fight you phase. Um, and they were always going to fight with regulation and fiat on ramps. Um, certainly trusted third parties anywhere they could become a trusted third party. They will attack that vector. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, here we are. Um, um so. yeah, before, before we wrap up and give you a chance to, to pimp yourself out a little bit. I want to say like, it is back to something Mike said earlier. It, it's, it's interesting because you make the point about, you know, there's how many quadrillion Satoshis that's not that scarce, but there's 21 million Bitcoin or there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin because honestly, maybe it's, it's as simple as the fact that that's the, uh, denomination or the, the structure that Satoshi wrote it in the code. So w- when Mike makes the point of how, how important is the headline, could be really fucking important, right? Because that could determine what's considered oh. the scariest asset no, uh, in I, human I history, or it's just like something. Hundred percent. Twenty, you I, know. I, I mean, I'm wearing it, you know, a twenty-one million, you know, like, right. like, like, don't get me wrong. I think the psyop uh-huh. of Bitcoin is one of the most genius parts of the invention of Bitcoin. Was Hell yeah, we make it feel more arbitrarily scarce during a period of high issuance. You know, it's like. Oh, 50 Bitcoin are issued every block. That doesn't seem that the importance scary. of a first impression, you know, exactly. <laughs> and it distributes in that system like that. And that's how it's, it's, you know, it's recognized. It's like, Oh, it's inflation rate is like 50% or whatever. You know, it's like, we're chonking up uh, and 50 Bitcoin are coming out and it, you know, and now here we are 13, whatever, blah, 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 14 years later. Um, and the people of those times treated, treated like such, you know, yeah, they don't yeah, exactly. You know. And that's a huge part of the distribution of it. You know, that's where like, I would push back on the, like it isn't exclusive in the sense that, you know, anybody can, you know, get access to the monetary. Policy. 100%. 100%. Um, and that's what equity is. You know, it's like, it can't be equal balances in accounts because then it would be the shittiest economic system of all fucking time because everybody just has the same number in it and no value is transferred at all. And it completely fails its purpose as a technological tool. Uh, so there needs to be inequity uh, in the like individual coalitions within the greater equal system. Um, so, you know, and then there's also the point it is exclusive in the fact that if everybody in the world just woke up tomorrow and they said, I want to buy Bitcoin, not everybody could have their own UTXO. Oh yeah. No, no, not even close. Yeah. So yeah. it, you know, it exclude the exclusivity is there and there, that's another thing to think about when it talk when it comes to block size too. So, um, yeah. hell yeah, man, this is a great conversation. Uh, Mike, do you have any like parting questions? I, I, I did have, uh, I did have a couple of parting questions, you know, me and they're Lay only some sort of like it. awkward question that doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'll give well, you an awkward answer that doesn't make any sense. You got great. Um, I was going to ask you, because you, you you obviously do a lot of research, something that interested to me. When do you do enough research on a topic? Yeah, how do you know it's enough? To, before uh, you like release, you know? When I'm like incapable of not writing the piece anymore, okay. you know? Like... When, when I have all the notes to tell the story and it's like, I know, you know, it just happens. Like, I don't know. I've written everything I've ever written uh, in Bitcoin to the same album to Miles Davis complete bitches brew session. And it's just, you know, all instrumental uh, improvisation. Uh, and it's like four CDs long. It's like hours and hours, you know, and I'll just, 
you know, basically repeat it and just sit down and get lost in the, in the sauce. And, um, yeah, I just get into a nice flow state. And then with research, it's like, I'm usually, um, you know, sort of, uh, looking to, I generally have, you know, I get tickled by an idea and I generally know what I, you know, I'm like, Hey, by researching this, I'm going to learn what it is that's bothering me that I don't understand. Like I didn't understand how interest rates work. Like I knew how they work, but I was like, how yeah. does this actually affect, you know, like global economics? Why would we do something like we did with the Plaza Accord? Why would the U.S. do coordinated central banking and devalue their currency? Like, why would we ever do that? Um, I knew there was a, obviously a reason because the dollar system is a, is a nasty little little shit and it's a very powerful coalition and it's not just going to give up that power for no reason. So I knew there was some mechanism that I was missing. Uh, so then I just go and dig and read and and then when I like figure out what it is, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I fleshed out the notes um, and then you let the numbers kind of like tell the story and then, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't know if there's like, I don't build to, I, you know, I certainly don't have a system for writing where I'm like intro, three bodies, you know, there's no, you know, process like that. Um, but, uh, you know, take a lot of notes so that when you actually go to sit down to write it, it's like, it, it's, you don't even have to think. It's just like, you know, and then you just blow it all out really quick and then heavily edit. Uh, that's generally my process. Uh, um but yeah, I think a subject tells you when when you like know enough about it that it's like, OK, I can articulate like my thesis now because um, I understand it. Yeah, that's uh, the the I, I used to have a I was pretty anxious, like in my 20s, just a lot of anxiety. Didn't really know why. And I kind of learned that. Uh, I would just whatever I didn't understand or what made me anxious, I would just learn everything about it. And yeah. once and once I got to the point where I knew enough about it that I was like, oh, my risk to whatever you know the ratio is too small i don't care anymore like i'm not worried about this anymore and that's when i also if i'm going to write something i kind of get to the same point i kind of get to that point where it's like oh like this doesn't bother me anymore i know enough enough to write about write about it now yep yeah 100 100 yeah i know i i uh i can't write about something that i'm not like super interested in yeah uh, uh, and I won't research something, obviously, you know, it would be kind of sociopathic to do research that you like didn't enjoy. Um, although, you know, I guess you got to do what you got to do sometimes, but um, no, I generally really enjoy it. Like, um, yeah, I, I love the history and the numbers and um, yeah, de definitely going through and, and looking at, um, you know, finding out all these people in history that affected my life via choices they made politically um or economically you know with with fiscal policy or whatever monetary policy um is is, is like fascinating um and you begin to kind of like put the pieces together of the bigger coalitions and stuff um and yeah we're, you know we're all just trying to figure out what the hell's going on totally. uh, so yeah i hope that answers your question i don't know uh but yeah no it, it is it, it's an absolute joy to uh have a subject that you're like salivating over <laughs> you're just like, right. like i need to get into it and get it out um and send it to people you know i got a nice core group of people that you know send stuff to right away and whatever and, and get some good feedback so that's fun yeah cool man so, where can where, where can we find you all that yeah yeah yeah, you, yeah yeah did you mention that already i haven't i haven't done the pimping myself out yeah, yet do, but uh, do, do it do it do it yeah thanks man 
Um, yeah, Mark Goodwin, um, the director of editorial for the print Bitcoin magazine. Um, get a subscription at store.bitcoinmagazine.com. Come to Miami, come hang out, say hi. Um, you can follow the Bitcoin magazine print issue on Twitter at the BTC mag at the BTC mag. Um, yeah. And then look out, I got Bitcoin dollar, um, coming out, uh, in a few months and, uh, yeah, read Bitcoin magazine, um, long live high hash rate. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on fellas. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, this is a lot of fun for me. Yeah. And I'll emphasize, uh, no, let me, I'll emphasize the Bitcoin conference in Miami, the ticket, you know, it can look expensive, but I, I trust me, I've been several years. It's fucking worth it. If you can afford it, go pay for that expensive Miami. It's a, find some Bitcoiners at a meetup and go in on an Airbnb, make it work. It's worth it. I got my job at Swan from the conference. I met great people. Go to the conferences. Don't miss them. Yeah, absolutely. Go to your meetups. Um, you know, we got a lot of meetup stuff. Um, you know, we always do a meetup calendar, um, dates in your city, um, in the print magazine. So yeah, go, go meet Bitcoiners. You know, that's the whole point. It's a means to an end. It's a social tool. Uh, go to conferences. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. A lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the high hash rate podcast. You can find us on Twitter at high hash rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H-R-T-L-N-D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike, at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!